Ikhsan, good evening to you and welcome to Metro FM Talk. Thank you so much for having me, Ayabonga. Ikhsan, I want us maybe to start off here. Um, just give us some of the context and the background here uh, to how uh, uh, you and uh, a group of others uh, uh, linked, uh, I understand, to the South African Labour and the Development Research Unit, Murray Labrant, uh, uh, the professor there and many others, got involved with the presidency uh, around this particular matter. I also know uh, that uh, Kate Phillip as well was quite instrumental in trying to popularise this proposal. How did all of this come come together? Exactly. Um, Kate Phillip uh, uh, contacted us, uh, us being a group of uh, 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 economists, really, uh, myself, Josh Badminder, Rocco, Tatamia, uh, and Phil uh, Moranchard, uh, and, and um, Murray Labrand, all associated with uh, Salju at UCT. Mm. Um, Kate Phillip uh, contacted us and asked us to provide uh, some kind of evidence basis for what type of interventions would be most effective in um, addressing ah. lockdown. And so, we seem to and be about to line there, Ihsan. Yeah. Ihsan, hold the line there for me for a second. And uh, just uh, we're going to have to try and reestablish you on a much better line there. Let's take this brief break uh, while we try and get Ihsan on a much better line. We seem to have uh, Ihsan back on a much better line there. Ihsan, uh, do we have you back? Hi, sorry about that. Uh, yes. I don't know where... I don't know where you lost, uh, lost me, but I was just saying that, uh, yes, the work was uh, through Saldru by a few of us. Yes. Um, and uh, uh, it was uh, just it, the purpose was to provide really a, 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 a contribution to providing an evidence basis uh, for what the type of poverty effects would be of the different interventions. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it was really through the, the, the kind of subgroup um, organized by Kate Phillip, who, as you said, sure. really played a absolutely instrumental role in this. Yeah, let's just talk briefly about the mechanics of that process. I mean, uh, one would think that you would have modeled a few scenarios here of, uh, uh, um, I guess, what the design of the policy would look like so that you, you're able to go to policymakers who would come to you and say, yeah, you want to double social grants, how much is it going to cost us? So talk to me about that process and, uh, 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 and also, I guess, more importantly, the poverty and inequality impact that uh, this modeling process uh, showed you. What in the findings did you I guess, uh, begin to understand about the poverty and inequality impacts of uh, channeling the relief through this particular measure. Right, exactly. So, so, I mean, one of the big questions was which social grants can be targeted to uh, really spread, uh, put, put money in the households of those who, who need it most. Uh, because social grants are already existing as a cash transfer system, Some of the kind of most important headline results were, number one, that the child support grant really has an absolutely incredible reach uh, through South Africa. Um, if you include people who live in the same household as someone who receives a child support grant, so in other words, in some way they are supported by the child support grant, then the child support grant reaches an astounding 30 million South Africans. So really, an increase to the child support grant comes across very quickly as the most effective um, means by which you can you can target the poorest uh, of of South Africa. Uh, and on top of that, it reaches 30 million of the poorest. So the people that that they that 25 million that they leave that the child support grant leaves out are mostly in higher income um, deciles. Mm. The second big kind of uh, finding 
uh, that we really emphasize is that the alternative um, uh, social grant, something like the old age pension, which you might expect to have a similar kind of reach, actually does not nearly as much as the child support grant. And you could see that really came through into the policy of the final decision because the, the pension was increased by less than the child support grant. And it is our view that that is absolutely the correct decision. Um, the, pens- the pension, uh, while it is important to protect uh, the elderly, it's an extremely important function uh, as a mechanism to, to deliver cash into the hands of the, of the poorest. It actually, because um, the pension only reaches about uh, 3.3 million um, uh, uh, people and uh, and, uh, about in total 13 million people um, throughout throughout South Africa. So that if you compare that to the child support country, 30 million, the pension is much less. Mm -hmm. And then the third big finding was that um, you could really see that despite the child support grant having a really good reach, in fact, a lot of people are left out, uh, and especially informal workers. Uh, the point is that under the lockdown, one of the groups that are hardest hit is those that aren't covered by the UIF. So formal workers, although they can't go into work, at least they get some income through the unemployment insurance fund. On the other hand, informal workers can't get anything at all, but still can't operate their businesses. Mm. And so they're hardest hit. And unfortunately, the child support grant really misses out a lot of those informal worker households. And that's really the crux of why a lot of our work was also proposing what we, what we eventually saw as the special COVID grant. That special COVID grant is designed to, to kind of um, uh, cover uh, people not covered currently under, for example, the UIF or, the, or, or other grants. And so it's designed specifically to tie and catch those informal workers that are currently left out. And if you see the poverty analysis of combining the child support grant and the special COVID grant, as we saw in the, in the, um, the final package that was released, really the two together do an excellent job of mm. reaching pretty much all South Africans. So um, practically every South African will have in their household someone who gets something, whether it's through the child support grant or whether it's through the special COVID grant, or whether it's through the unemployment insurance fund. And so this package really, uh, through the kind of evidence that we, that we, we provided, suggests that this is kind, kind of very close to the optimal mix of interventions that the government um, could have implemented. Of course, it's a different question of the amount, um, but, but, but in terms of the actual social grants, uh, this has very good coverage, in our opinion. Mm-hmm. Now, I want us to pause there for a second, Ehsan, uh, because uh, well, when we come back, I mean, I want us to engage these issues of coverage and uh, I guess more importantly, some of the tactical questions around, uh, you know, ease of administration and why uh, uh, you would opt for this rather than maybe a newer grant and uh, uh, also the dimension of uh, what benefit from an information gathering and a data gathering perspective uh, can come from some of the newer grants that are going to be issued here because uh, uh, you don't want to go into the next crisis with the same question of how do you target uh, the informal sector or even those who are unemployed when this is a perfect opportunity based on those who come to you and claim some of those benefits. We'll continue on the other side of this. Eight minutes it is before 9pm. This is Metro FM Talk here on the Mighty Metro and uh, we're taking a look uh, at uh, some of the uh, numbers 
and I guess the technical rationale behind uh, the uh, choices that have been made in terms of social relief to households and uh, certainly commendable choices made there. Uh, I think this is the first time in the history of our country where there's been such coverage from a social uh, security and a social policy perspective. And I think this is a perfect opportunity to put in place some of the building blocks for a more comprehensive social security response in the most unequal society in the world. Ihsan Basia joins me on the line. Uh, he's uh, one of uh, the researchers and a team uh, alongside others uh, who put together the modeling exercise. Now, Ihsan, let's talk briefly about some of the issues of tactics and policy design. Um, uh, surely you would have deliberated on that. You would have seen what the data is showing you about poverty and uh, the impact of inequality and I guess what uh, made this particular intervention suitable uh, alongside many others that would have been considered. But let's talk about the practicality of it and uh, the uh, issues of policy design. Uh, there was also a proposal that floated about about a special COVID grant and I'm not sure if what was announced last night fits into that. But uh, uh, how far of your deliberations focused on how you would get some of this money to people. It's much easier with a child support grant. It's probably entirely more uh, a d- uh, difficult and a different exercise entirely uh, when uh, you're trying to put together a new system and a new grant uh, and a new mechanism to get money to people. No, precisely. I, I think that the, after last night's uh, announcement, which came as, as a huge welcome uh, a promised relief, the biggest concern, uh, certainly for me right now, is one of implementation. Mm. Um, the special COVID grant will require some very careful uh, and efficient thinking around how to register really up to what we estimate 13 million, 8 to 13 million uh, recipients of the special COVID grant. Um, and that means that uh, there could be all sorts of, uh, in, in a time of lockdown especially, this has to happen probably digitally. Um, there are many concerns there uh, uh, that, that are, are, are extremely important. Along with the, the UIF, uh, in fact, there's also very big implementation worries about the, ca- the capacity of the, of, of, of the, the UIF, uh, which is really an, a crucial intervention in order to... Um, tied formal sector workers over, uh, but it is a scale of payouts that the UIF has not seen before. Um, And so that's another big worry. Implementation, I agree with you completely, is the next big uh, question. Mm -hmm. And uh, the other dimension, of course, uh, to this entire thing is is, is around uh, what kind of information potentially we can gather. I mean, uh, the bulk of uh, the work you guys do, the tools of the trade, uh, require large data sets for you to analyze to arrive uh, at uh, findings that then inform recommendations on policy action. Uh, and, uh, you know, there's been a paucity of the data when it comes to the unemployed, economically active, abled uh, between the ages of 18 and 59 who haven't received any measure of uh, social relief in the past. Surely this should be an opportunity to gather some information about this cohort. Uh, and more importantly, I guess, some of the end needs, some of the spending patterns and the like. Um, is that something that uh, you've proposed um, in your recommendations or I guess in the proposal that you put uh, before some of the decision makers? No, uh, I'm afraid I, I, we, we can't claim credit for anything like that. Okay. Um, right. <laughs> uh, but, but, but I mean, what do you uh, think of that? Yeah, because I, yeah. I guess the issue, uh, yeah. uh, Ihsan and... Uh, you yeah. know, uh, I guess I have the benefit of having been part of some of the conversations uh, when, uh, uh, you know, uh, 
uh, some of these proposals were being bandied about. And the big concern is, uh, you know, it's so difficult when you're flying blind and you're not sure uh, what's been happening. You're not sure, you know, where are these folk that would claim, for instance, the 350 rand that we're talking about? What are some of their challenges? What are some of their needs? So that in the next round of policy design, you're not starting off, I guess, on a blank slate. Uh, you do have some form of baseline. And uh, uh, I mean, I'm quite interested in some of your own views about how, how potentially that could look like. No, 100%. Um, I, I think that in, in, throughout this kind of these modeling exercises to gain evidence, there's a huge band of uncertainty, um, precisely because there's so many different factors that we can't really fully account for. For example, we don't know to what extent remittances are going to have, have fallen during the lockdown. We don't know to what extent um, households have reformed uh, in order to make sure that there's some basic level of uh, income sharing. Uh, um, uh, Many other examples of of how, for example, uh, we don't know to what extent there are exemptions put out. Uh, The government has uh, authorized many businesses, but we don't know how widespread that is. So the data is extremely important in uh, doing policy uh, for the next uh, months and and really the next six months, uh, which is the period over which these grants have been announced. Um, I do want to also mention that uh, up to now, as you say, the, the, this is, the special COVID grant does address a large group with, which has been previously left out. Mm. Um, and this does present really an opportunity to really address uh, what, what is kind of unsustainably high level of poverty uh, in normal times. Uh, in South Africa, in other words, in pre-lockdown times. So, so even before lockdown, we saw that 14% of South Africans um, are in extreme poverty, which is something like uh, uh, really struggle to be able to even get the basic food mm. uh, in order to survive. And that really is not something that we should uh, we should um, need to have as a society. Uh, and and in in my opinion, it's very much. Uh, a result of our legacy of inequality and wealth concentration. And so really, this is the first time it is historic that mm-hmm. uh, the special COVID grant does um, cover this group of previously left out sure. individuals. And so it does present an opportunity to rethink uh, uh, coverage for the most vulnerable mm-hmm. in our society. Exxon, unfortunately, we have run out of time and uh, we'll have to leave it there. But uh, kudos Uh, to you and your team and of course to the uh, project management office and the presidency for commissioning this kind of work and uh, we certainly hope uh, uh, as the Chinese say uh, may uh, a thousand uh, flowers boom and a hundred schools of thought contend uh, because the challenges that we face certainly do require a lot of rigorous analysis and uh, contending of ideas and also more importantly some of the evidence uh, because all of these are life or death matters. Ihsan, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Ihsan Basia is a a PhD student at the University of Massachusetts in the U.S. uh, in uh, Amherst uh, and a PhD student in economics and uh, one of uh, the uh, group of the research team uh, who put together some of the uh, analytical and uh, technical work behind uh, the uh, child support grant top-up, which was announced by the president yesterday. Now we're talking about uh, some of the grants that were announced by the president yesterday. Many of you are asking how uh, you claim the 350 rand uh, that is due to you if you're unemployed and between the ages of 18 and 59. Well, we hear uh, from the Department of Social Development that the minister will make an announcement shortly. And uh, I mean, it's quite concerning because uh, we know that uh, within the next week and a half or so, grants will have to be paid.
So, uh, yeah, the sooner the better. And we'll certainly be watching that announcement. Have to leave it there. Uh, the man with the music's here for all of your soulful accompaniment this evening. Uh, Lockdown Radio continues here on the Mighty Metro. You have yourself a great evening. Take strength. Maafrika nangoku. Sisai banga. Le economy.